Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for being on the show. All right, guys. So uh, (laughs) welcome to Middle Class to Millionaires podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, We have Brandon, who is a crossfit gym owner so we're just going to ask him a little bit of questions about his experience his how he got to where he is now um his struggles his successes and just a few questions but to start just let us know who you are where you came from and what you're currently doing first off i appreciate y'all for having me on i enjoy doing this kind of stuff and it's a lot of fun for me so yes i am a crossfit gym owner that's been my main gig for the last 10 years started in August of 2009. Before that, I graduated college with a finance degree. I was in commercial banking. I did CrossFit on the side as a uh, just kind of a hobby and trained some folks, helped a friend open up his gym. While I was working in that bank, I was like, hey, you know, this could be a really kind of viable business. It didn't take a lot to get into it. And one day I was sitting there. I was like, well, let's do it. I, I'm tired of banking. I don't want to sit in an office. I've been doing that for about six years. Uh, through college and some other stuff and dove right in. So 2009 in Dallas, Fort Worth area, there wasn't any, hardly any CrossFit gyms around. We were one of 15 or less when we opened the closest one to us. If anybody's familiar with DFW that's listening, we are right next to the airport in Grapevine, Texas. Um, but the closest one to us was Addison and the other one was down in Fort Worth. And so First few years were really awesome. Like when there's hardly any competition around you in terms of CrossFit gyms, we did really well. Um, gone through a lot of ups and downs with that. Now there's in the neighborhood of like 150 in DFW. Wow. Wow. And that's from a, a, that's just what's on the map that do CrossFit. Um, we've had some changes within the company where a lot of people have maybe dropped their affiliation or closed a year and a half ago, there was close to 180. So we, we dealt with some of that stuff along with a whole bunch of other types of gyms opening up, uh, Orange Theory, boxing gyms, cycle, cycle gyms, bar methods, uh, a whole bunch of different small studios that do quote unquote functional fitness, F45, Iron Tribe, Fit Body Boot Camp, and all those things. So when we started, there was none of that around us. And now it seems like there's a gym on every corner. Hmm. Um, kind of that's, I guess that's kind of in a nutshell and what we've been doing for the last 10 years, really. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. So you have a yeah. degree in finance, but um, when you were growing up, what did you want to be? What did you want to do? Uh, not finance and not a gym owner. That's for sure. <laughs> Funny how things change. I really have no idea. Quite honestly, when I hit, um, I don't, I still don't think I know what I want to do. I enjoy fitness and and health and nutrition and working with people. And I think if I was to summarize all that in one big thing, it would be working and helping with people is what drives me. I love people, even though they can be exhausting. And when I was growing up in high school, uh, I was more interested in chasing girls and drinking booze. And that carried through college I just had, I had no real direction. I did finance because I was in the business school at North Texas up in Denton. That's where I went to school too. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's a a great town. And if, 
you can get lost in it really easily. It's a lot of fun. Uh, lots of uh, lots of pretty girls up there and lots of bars to visit. I guess I finally had to kind of pick a degree. I, it took me about six years to graduate, but I had 174 hours when I graduated, which I only needed 120 in the finance yeah. degree. So I was like, oh, let's just do this. I can get out of here and move on and do all that. Turns out finance not for me, but it does help working as a business owner to understand that back end work. Right on. How did you transfer from like just the interest of CrossFit to eventually launching your own gym? Is uh, how was that transition? Was it tough? How long did it take? Yeah, that's a good question. So 2000, 2003, I was up about 230 pounds, um, not super big, but a lot of partying and stuff kind of put me overweight and unhealthy. And I decided I want to get in shape. I started working out with a friend of mine. And lost a whole bunch of weight, got interested in fitness, found CrossFit in 2000 and I think five, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. It was really, really fresh. And so I kind of found it through um, a gym called Jim Jones, which was associated with the getting the guys prepped for the movie 300. And just through that stuff, found CrossFit and then... Did that through, went to their certification, I think in 2000, one of their certifications, 2006, was like, hey, this is really cool. It's kind of underground, awesome, cutting edge shit. And let's see, 2009, I had kind of done it aside. We had a gym in our garage. I was like, hey, we could do this part time. And again, it, I had just decided, hey, let's just dive in. We could open a gym at that time for, I think we did it for about $40,000 and being younger, I was 26, it didn't seem that daunting. It was like buying a car. If it didn't work out, we could just pay it off over time, no big deal, cut our losses, and I could go back into the finance realm and, and do all that stuff. Yeah. And the first the first year, uh, my wife at the time, she supported us with her job. Um, she had a degree in human resources working for a company called Airgas, making a whopping thirty or $35,000 a year right Oof. out of college. Baller. And That's yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and we lived off of that for the first year of the, the gym being open. And I, I worked wow. the gym. She did that. And, you know, in, in Dallas, $30,000 a year, it's, it's tough for two people to live off of. So we scraped by times were bleak sometimes, but it was cool because I never really was pessimistic about any of that. We had steady growth in the business through the first year. And by the end of the first year, surprisingly, we were in the black and making enough money that she could quit her job and come on full time and make more together doing this than she was making there, which made sense to us. That's so cool. And yeah, that it wasn't it. I'd like to say it was super tough, but I mean, we were, I was engrossed in it. I, I dove in and worked with all the people that came in inside the the gym, we worked long hours and outside of just a lot of time, energy and effort, I look back on it, it seems a lot easier then than it does now. Mm. Um, even though I think we worked a lot more then than I probably do now because of all the other stuff going on in my life with kids and everything else. So Yeah. Cool. So forty grand in your twenties, that's that seems like a big number to a lot of people. How did you how did you raise that money? That's a good question. So we came we got into a good amount of 
of debt trying to do that part of, I mean, it was all debt at that, that point. I didn't have any money saved or anything like that. Family's always a good resource for working capital when you start out in a business. Uh, Usually, you know, for, for some folks, you can find somebody within your family sometimes that has some money. I don't, I don't think that applies to everybody, but it always helps to exhaust your closest resources first if you have a good idea. And my dad was totally against the idea because we were coming out of that kind of uh, depression there in 2009. And he's a, he's a CPA. So he was kind of like, he was like, you're an idiot. You don't need to be doing this <laughs> because it's, it's not going to work. You're in the coming out of depression. And he's, he was an older guy even uh, at that time. So he had seen, he had seen some of the, some of the bad times growing up and was just trying to be protective. Yeah. But, I kept convincing him. I was like, it's going to work. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, I'm not too scared of it. And then, um, he convinced my stepmom to loan, loan us some cash. So we got a $20,000 loan from her. And then the rest was on us through credit cards, cash. We could scrape together, working some odd jobs, um, living off of really, really cheap food. Ramen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, the Sounds like college. Of, of fitness and yeah. uh, just kind of, yeah, lack of a better description, bootstrapping it all together that way and using all of our resources that we could. Uh, we had a really good landlord starting out with a place that we found and uh, he helped us out a lot. I learned a lot about some of the, the commercial, I guess, industry with renovations and stuff and how we, where we could cut some corners and where we could put more money and all that kind of shit. So it just really worked out right at the beginning. And I think looking back without some of those things in place too, I don't really, it probably wouldn't have worked out as well as it did. That's cool. When I first got into real estate, when I flipped my first house, Christian knows this and I've talked about it on our show, but man, I went like probably $30,000 in debt all on credit cards, cash advances to get the money I needed. And I found a much better way using other people's money, but, um, Sometimes when you have a good idea and you just know that it's going to work, you know, you, you put it all out there and you take the risk of failing. And if it, you know, if it doesn't work, you know, I, it's funny, this, this, I was going to talk about this way later, but you posted a video, I think it was on Sunday on your Facebook. At the end of the video, you said, if you quit, it definitely won't happen. Uh, and I really like that because, you know, a lot of people, they won't even, they won't even try. They're just afraid of, oh, it's going to cost all this money or what if I fail? Well, what if you don't fail? What if you succeed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're 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 never gonna know if you don't at least try it. Money's just money. I've learned that now. Like whether you have it or you don't. I mean, I I've had times when I stress out a lot about money, but <clears throat> again, we have systems in place, which is the beauty of our economy. We have systems in place to cover our ass if worst case comes to worse. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 What are some of the lessons that you learned from starting your own gym, from going out on your own, leaving the nine to five, which a lot of people think is risky, but, and it is, but were like one or two lessons that you learned from that? Uh, man, I have like 10 or more. Um, <laughs> I bet. Okay. The first, first things first on this one, this was a big one, uh, that I think anybody going to business with somebody else needs to learn is, Regardless of your relationship with that person, whether you're married, whether you're best friends, whether you're brother, sister, father, son, whatever, you need to have some form of 
contract in place that protects both of y'all if something were going to go south. Um, because for me, I, I started the gym with my <clears throat> first wife, who is now my ex-wife. And, you know, we just kind of had handshake agreement and it didn't it didn't get ugly. We came down to it. But realistically, things could have handled a lot, been handled a lot smoother if we would have just made that decision in the first place without thinking everything was going to be okay. So my, my second wife, I told her that I was like, look, this is nothing against you. We need to do this. Like, this is the thing I've been burned in the past because of this. This is not a knock on you. This is just good business practice by <laughs> creating a contract between the two of us on what this looks like if things were to go south. So yeah, that's, good. Uh, that's, that's number one. Uh, number two, I mentioned it already. Exhaust your resources on your your personal friends and family and trying to get things started because they're going to be your either your biggest supporters or not when you're first starting out. If they're not, then you know who who to veer away from and who to who to hang out with. And then the last one, it takes it takes time, effort and energy to make anything work. If um, you you want to start your own company. And I've heard this saying before, so if I butcher it, I apologize. But it's something along the lines of when you start your own company, you're trading working 40 hours a week for somebody for 80 hours a week for yourself. That's huge. I it's It never turns off when you own your own company. You're always thinking about stuff. And if you're not, you're not going to win. You're, you're, yeah. gonna, you're, pro- you're probably going to fail. But whereas you work for somebody – you can go home, you can turn it off, you can en- enjoy family time. And sometimes for us, man, this shit goes on all the time. You have fires to put out or you have something mm-hmm. to think about the yep. next step, even when you're trying to have family time. So it's important even in that aspect to try to separate that. But it literally is. I Countless hours spent trying to make this thing work and, and be successful into what it is. Yeah, that is one of the downsides of, of being on your own is you can really never turn it off. Christian and I both run um, Airbnbs together and then separately, and you can't really turn it off, you know, unless you hire someone who can take care of that for you. And and that's that's kind of the key, right? So you're you're basically uh, utilizing all your energy, your efforts for the uh, resources for the first couple years. So you're working really hard for the first couple years, so that way you can and you start building up these systems, so that way you can eventually slowly you know, take yourself out a little more and maybe, you know, start hiring uh, people to kind of run the the day-to-day operation while you're overseeing. And that's how, you know, some of the, the biggest businesses are built. Like, you know, you start, you put in the hard work for the first couple of years and then you're able to hire and really just kind of, kind of back up a little bit and maybe focus on another, another business that you want to build, you know? So that's what the the systems in place really, really. That's when they really come into into play. If you don't have systems, you're never never going to be able to get out of it on your mm-hmm. own either, um, and have other people work into exactly. it. We're we're fortunate because we have. I've had a lot of employees over the years. We consistently have six to six to nine employees with us, and it really helps to be able to delegate some of that stuff. Even though I'm I'm very guilty of. <laughs> not relinquishing the reins on a lot of things sometimes, which inevitably pulls me back into things too. So, and that can be hard. So, um, Robert Kiyosaki has his book called the Cash Flow quadrant. And he essentially talks about there's, there's four quadrants. Um, if you were to make a little cross chart 
And then you have, so you have E on the left-hand side, you have E as the employee, S underneath for self-employed, top right is business owner, and then the bottom right is investor. Now, you can make capital or can you can build wealth in all four. A lot of people do by dipping into each other's side, but in order to cross from the left side to the right side, like for example, uh, I know a really good handyman, right? And he is self-employed. And he's been self-employed for 20 years and he's extremely good at his job. But the problem is, is he won't ever go to the business owner side or the investor side underneath, which is the, the last the last fourth step where you really build true wealth because he doesn't trust anybody to, to do the work as good as him. So yeah. he will always be in the S quadrant and and, you know, because all his time is tied up into his own work. So I think that's really important that a lot of business owners and people wanting to get into business understand is that, you know, you can start off, you know, you go from employed from the nine to five. Now you're working for yourself as self-employed. And the goal is to, you know, jump from that as the business owner where you have systems in place and employees working for you. And until you build that up enough to where you're an investor and now it's become very passive and now you can just invest your money into, you know, X, Y, Z if you want, or you can stay in the business side as well. But um, there's more advantages to being on the right side of the quadrant than the left for sure, tax advantages. You know, now you have your time, because that's the, that's eventually the goal is you're buying your time back. That's why people leave the nine to five yeah. and build a business. But what you're talking about there, it's, uh, it's making, it's you being the only asset in the company Right. Is going to be problematic in your growth, right? Because where he all he has, he's he's the best in you know in that realm. Let's say he doesn't trust anybody else, but time. Time's the biggest factor that he can only do so many jobs within a day. That's going to limit his growth in certain things. And I've I've seen that kind of stuff in our gym too. I can't do everything. And for any anybody who's an owner and employee, like you said, if you you have to pass your asset base down to pull yourself out of it and be more successful over time. So. I guess the the moral of that story is try not to be the only asset in your company when you have the the chance to pass that information down and grow yourself out of it to move on. For sure. Well, that leads into uh, the next question. I think is really good. Like, how does how does someone believe in themselves enough to do what you or or I or Christian have done to take that leap to become a business owner? Like, how do you how do you build that? self-confidence uh i think it starts before you actually do it having somebody who is confident in general um because without that you're not going to have the confidence to even make that jump man i've got some friends that they have great ideas and they want to do big things but they're they're scared of leaving their comfort Mm. right they have really good really good paying jobs that keeps them tied up because they're like well i have you know i'm going to take this hit and i can't do it and my response to that is man you're going to be doing that the rest of your life then if you're not willing to take a year or three or five and make what you want to make because i I think if if y'all have ever done what you're doing or a business on the side while you're co-inhabiting another job or business you can't devote there literally is not enough time to devote to that business and there's always going to be that cutoff where you go all right i have to go into this full time to make it better and if i don't it's always going to be here 
that same mentality is with the employee to starting a business shift. I think sometimes they're just too comfortable and they just know that you have to start from scratch. Like, like our gym, when we started, we had zero, zero members. And part of our capital infusion at the beginning was to float us for about six months. And that's all I gave us. I was like, there's no way this isn't going to work in six months, you know, and I'll know before then, but we're going to make it work. And we didn't really have to dip into any of that stuff. And it's just, you have to have that confidence before you do it. And to that question, I don't know how to create that confidence. I do know for some people looking for confidence, one step is to get into a gym and start working out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Christian, yeah. Christian can probably speak to what you said about trying to have a business on the side while working a nine to five. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's kind of how I started. I recently transitioned over to just doing my own thing full time, but uh, it definitely is tough. You know, like I remember I'd have to go check a project on a house out uh, during my lunch break or before work or after work. And, you know, you're, you have to work your 40 hours at, at the job, you know, that's the requirement. And then, and then your everything else is, it's what's going to your company. Um, so it can be tough. I mean, it does, it, it can be time consuming and you really have to balance it out. And I just, it can be now that, now that I feel like now that I'm on my own, I have, I'm actually, I feel like I work more now that I, than I did with the <laughs> W2 because I mean, I enjoy, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, a job to me. It's a passion of mine. So I enjoy building it and, you know, I have to be like, all right, I need to calm down. <laughs> so it, I can see for those that out there that, you know, you really have to devote the energy and the time and the effort that it takes to really build something. You can't just sit on your couch and watch Netflix and hope and <laughs> believe that your business is going to take off because it's not. I think in the first podcast, we talked about how to build self-confidence. And I, I, I know for me personally, just it was putting myself in situations that made me uncomfortable. And if you're in those situations, it's going to force you to grow. And, you know, growth is good. You always need to be growing, learning. You know, you never stop educating yourself, self-educating. Yeah. So I think that's really key. And I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's what that's what you did by, you know, you didn't know that. I mean, you, you were confident that the, the gym was going to work, but, you know, you weren't 100% sure. So you put yourself in that situation of, of a, a place that was different for you, you know, not the nine to five. You're like, all right, I'm just going to go out there on a limb and I'm, I'm going to make it work. You know, I'm confident that this will work. So I think, um, you know, you put yourself in that uncomfortable place, which led to growth. And then once you, once you saw that growth coming, uh, just built up your confidence even more and more to be like, this is no brainer. This is, I got this, you know what I mean? So I think, I think that's, that's pretty key. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, you mentioned it earlier for, for that, there's there's always something to be done. That's why it feels like you're working all the time and just to make make things better. And that's part of that that growth side of that is to make it better, you have to study, you have to learn new things. You always have to be trying to implement new ideas or thought processes to make those things better. And if you're not trying to do that, then your business stays stagnant, you lose interest, you get burnout really fast. You know, I've I've seen a lot of coaches in, in uh, both my industry and my gym get burned out really quick because they just, they're on repetition. They don't want to learn. They want to use what they know and execute. For me, learning more about business, learning more about CrossFit, about fitness, nutrition, people, myself, 
going all those different directions has really helped keep me focused on that. While I do have times when I'm like, fuck this, I can't do this shit anymore. I'm done. I don't want to mess with it. And then there's other times when it's, it's really good. And it's most of the time it's really good because of those aspects of constantly learning and, and executing certain plans and strategies and, and bettering yourself and, and all those aspects within your business that I think people lose sight of on why they're like, man, I can't do this anymore. And mm-hmm. that's why, <laughs> that's why we win because we stick it out. And I think if there was a, a key there for people that want to learn how to take their business higher up or stay interested in it and always have a passion for what they do because our passion, you know, you, you hear that you, if you do what you love, you can do it forever type thing. You get bored with it eventually. But if, again, if you're not trying to always learn something new within that, you are going to get uninterested in it and burned out really quick. Yeah. What do you, so what do you do to learn? Do you listen to podcasts or read books or you and I, we technically kind of met through being in the Arate Accelerator. Are you in the Accelerator or, or Syndicate? Oh, Accelerator. Yeah. Okay. I would love. To, I would love to be Syndicate worthy at this point. I'm working. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So I, I, uh, for those who don't know, Arate Accelerator is is kind of like a a smaller version of a mastermind with Ed Milet and Andy Frisella, and that's how Brandon and I uh, officially, unofficially, have met via Facebook and a, and a group. So anyway, back to the question. Sorry. So how do you, how do you learn? Uh, yeah. Podcasts, books, uh, online readings, uh, blogs, seminars, certifications, people, I, you try to utilize everything that I can at my disposal. Uh, groups, groups are big now and it's really, it's really cool to the subsections of Arte group that have formed in different realms i'm part of this fitness group that's has a lot of knowledge um just passed around between each other working with some of the the syndicate guys uh, just coaches random coaches that's cool i think if you're serious about business at some point you need to be a part of some some bigger coaching program or individual coach to help you along with that somebody who's really done their work and can help open your eyes to some stuff. I agree. Christian made a comment on episode two or three. If you hang around with five millionaires, you become the sixth. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you and I have an advantage of being part of the accelerator. You know, I haven't been able to go to any of the meetings yet, unfortunately here in the DFW area, but I think that the ability to network with people who are doing, kind of greater levels of what you're doing or who are just all of the same mindset really puts you in a different playing field to, I think, accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. It does 100%. I I know that the last two years for me, um, in terms of personal growth have been really awesome and applying a lot of that stuff towards business has been really cool. And just getting to know some of the people and, and what they do and bring to the table has been really cool as well. Yeah. And so and That's awesome. for those that are, uh, interested in if whatever business idea you have and 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 really trying to dive in um you know get on facebook and look for uh any meetups in your in your area there's a a great app called called meetup and you can express your interest of what whatever it is that you're wanting to do and 
there's tons of, of meets and groups and, and people. I mean, it really, it's a lot of, a lot of businesses about networking and, and kind of who, you know, you know, so it's, um, you know, there's no excuse as to why you can't get started and yeah. why you can't meet someone who is already doing what you want to do. Of course, don't go in there and just with open hands and be like, you know, I want something. You gotta, you gotta provide some value mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, whatever skill set that you have, you know, be prepared to go in there and offer your skill sets, you know, and, and exchange because you can't just expect. So first of all, you know, time is a big thing for us. And so yeah. you can't expect someone to be like, well, can you teach me how to do this? And, and, and that's it. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, there's definitely lots of resources out there for you guys. Just make the effort and go out and search for it. Give more than you receive. Yeah. That's yeah. like you said. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Um, Ed Milet was on uh, Lewis. I don't know how to say his last name. House or Hose. Uh, House. House, yeah. Podcast. I guess sometimes last year, sometime last year, and he really just talks about, you know, one of the greatest things that we can do is just serving other people. And I think that's one of where our greatest contribution comes is from service to others. And so, like you said, Christian, don't don't go into a meetup or a group trying to see what you can get from people. Try to see what you can give. And I think that's... So, go ahead. The, uh, the common factor among that People aren't going to do it. I've I've learned ten years of the fitness industry. People are lazy, and that's that's a, that's the other that's the other reason why why folks like us we can win because we're not a we're not lazy, but you know most folks are not going to do that. They're not going to take the effort. They're happy just sitting around. You know there there's a time and place to sit around. Like I I try to cut things off for the most part every night by seven o'clock so that my wife and I can sit down and have dinner and get a little bit of time together and watch maybe a show or something, but that's not all the time. There's time and place to be able to sit down and watch Netflix and, and deload a little bit and decompress. But reality is most people just want to sit and do that all the time and just kind of waste away and not give a shit about anything else. And so, you know, when you say things like, Hey, you know, find yourself a group. Yeah, I can fucking do it. They don't even care. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For the couple of achievers out there that do come on, find a group. Yeah, I mean, there, that's yeah. probably, you know, a 90% or, a, you know, a, a large portion of people that won't do it. But there are the ones that, you know, that will. And, I mean, that's this show is for the ones that will, you know. This show is for the uh, the doers and the people that are interested. And uh, we have one of the things that I've been doing and the thing Vince has started doing is a lot of people ask, you know, uh, you know, how do I flip houses or how do I get into real estate? All and, the time. Uh, yeah, all the, you know, you get the private messages all the time, especially when you're when you're more active, putting your stuff out there on what you're doing. People are very interested, and which it's not great. to say that which is great. Yeah, it, it is, and it's not to say we're not helpful, but when they're asking with their hands out, you know, and one of my, one of my things I do is I ask them, well, sure, I, I'd I'd love to help you. You do you? How about you uh, read this book for me, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and tell me how it goes. And uh, a lot of the time, I don't hear back from them ever. Or, you know, I, I, you know, I reach back out, Hey, three months later, you read the book. I haven't had time. I just been busy. Well, you must not want it bad enough. And it's not my life. It's yours. So, you know, if, if you can't even read a book, why would I take the time to, to take out of my time? That's now worth a dollar amount to, to, to try to teach you something that you're not even going to be, you know, passionate about to begin with. 
Yeah, and it's 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 unruly. I mean, people want they want a a golden ticket or whatever to get get money fast, lose weight fast. You know, I get hit up all the time for nutrition information on people and I just I they don't even want to listen to the like the easiest thing in the world. Like the nutrition advice I give most people is so elementary that it's boring and people are like, "Well, it can't be that simple." And I'm like, "Well, it can. You just got to do it." <laughs> and I <laughs> I don't go beyond that. I'm like, Hey, do this for, if you can do this for 60 days, you'll, you'll lose weight and you'll feel better and all that. And, oh, okay. And that, that's literally a one minute conversation. That's free information. People can find it anywhere, but they don't want to do it anyway because it's not sexy or they're like, Oh, you know, it's not that complicated. And they just think I'm blowing smoke up their ass. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, uh... so you have like, what I feel like a lot of people are, are relying on their, on their willpower and then that runs out whenever it, the goal is not you know big enough or it's like or they're they're not i spoke about this in the first episode it's it's something that you know they have to push themselves as opposed to something that should be pulling you you know towards the goal yeah so we we kind of are touching on this a little bit but um what would you say brandon is your greatest asset what do you what do you hold near and dear like what, what I, and also like what your i guess this maybe can go into what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Why did you take the risk that you took? Uh, if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago, I wouldn't have known. I did, did CrossFit because it sounded fun and it was getting me out of the finance world. But now it's developed into, I'd, I feel like I have a, a gift to be able to read people and listen to people really well. Um, because of that, I can make either certain programs or work with them or make suggestions in their, in their life and, and start trying to steer them in the right direction. What's cool about the fitness world is fitness is a gateway to literally changing anything in your life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at people that want to change their life. Usually the first thing that they go to is the gym. And that's, that's, I think that's a fact they'll, they'll start doing maybe self-help books, but you know, you, you look at people that want to lose weight, want to feel better about themselves, look better. Usually it's gym related and they want to start getting healthy. Yeah. Um, and, and picking up some of those people, those people's cues on that kind of stuff. I'm good at doing that. I can meet people, but I also consider myself a people person on the flip side of that. While I love people, I also can get really worn out with people really fast. I have a, a battery that like burns really quickly I hear you. with, with, <laughs> And I have to I have to recharge or else I'm not useful on that. So um, biggest asset would be being able to read folks and associate with people. And then my why is it, it feels like it's ever changing. Right. Currently, right now, everything I'm doing in my life, my why is kind of for my family and my kids. Um, the why for my client base is to help them help them see that they are better and bigger than what they can think that they are. That's good. Uh, and it's, it's really, really cool when you get somebody who's willing to listen to you and willing to go all in on that kind of aspect. And you look at them a year, a year and a half down the road and they're just a completely different person. That's I had good. real quick, I'll give you an example. I had this girl, <clears throat> she just stood out on the top of my head started with us like uh had to be a year and a half ago when she walked in the door and i talked to her i could have bet you 
$10,000 that she was not going to be back. And here we are a year and a half down. I misread her big time. We are a year and a half down the road, and she is not the same girl that walked in the door. She's more confident. She's She stands tall. She's mm-hmm. actually outgoing to people. She has all these friends in the gym. Um, and it's she's lost a bunch of weight, you know, and it's like – that's cool. She bought she bought into the aspect. She listened to what I had to say and she did the work. And now she goes, Hey, I'm I'm in the best shape of my life and I feel the best. And you run mm-hmm. into people most of the time who they don't look at it in that aspect. They're like, Hey, what's you know, what can I do in 30 days versus <laughs> hey, it's gonna be a year and a half. If I if I told every person when they walked into the gym, you need to look at yourself two years from now and tell me what you learned over the last two years. That's what we're, that's what our goal is. When you step foot into my gym, I don't want, if you're here for 30 days, get lost. I don't want to work with you at all. You need to be able to realize that this is going to be a year to two to 10 year process. I've been doing CrossFit now for 14 years and that's the reason it's such an ingrained habit and I'm the way that I am because it's, I'm effort and energy. (laughs) And that's a, I mean, that's a lot, a problem with today's society is everybody wants that instant gratification thing, right? Everybody wants the easy way out. They want the shortcut. They don't want the hard stuff. They're like, no, forget that. I want the uh, rich overnight thing, you know? Yeah. But um, I do I do agree that, you know, physical health is a big part of, um, you know, it go it plays into your mental health and it plays into pretty much all aspects of, of you know, someone, a successful person, I think. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of the successful people out there, I'm sure like 99% of them are in shape or they care about their uh their well-being and their nutrition and their health in some way yeah. shape or top yeah. if you're a top quote-unquote top performer you you have pretty much the same across the board in what they do whether it's their their morning routine physical fitness and all that kind of stuff now you have that the outliers like that are just billionaires that don't give a shit and they just made their money financially or whatever that don't you know but for the most part, yeah, you're, I would agree with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think right now offhand who is a, a top performer that may not I can't, work out or and, ha, yeah, have a routine. And I, right now I can't think of anyone. Yeah. Like, like an actor. I mean, you have your actors that are not in shape. And I think the only way, I don't know. I mean, that'd be an interesting study. But I think 99% of top performers do have some kind of physical fitness uh, routine, whether it's a walk whether they, you know, maybe run a couple of times a week or something or do something, you know, some kind of you physical have, activity. Yeah, well, this is kind of what you're saying, to. Brandon, with this girl that came into your to your gym. You know, when you're when you're getting into good shape and your health is getting uh, better and your your overall body feels better and you feel more confident and you walk taller like you were saying she does, you feel more confident about what you're trying to do or the dreams that you're trying to accomplish. And then you feel more confident in yourself that you can do those things. So I think you are right. Like it does start with your health. Yeah, because, 100%. Yeah, then then everything else flows from that. So what have you talked about? One of your, your why is your your kids and your your family. What has having kids in your marriage taught you about life? Uh, there's something bigger than you <laughs> out there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was funny when I had... I was just kind of coasting when I had my first kid, when I held him, everything got real. And for dads out there, I, I, I love talking about this because I think most of us, most dads 
don't realize what you're getting into until you hold your kid for the first time um, and look at him and you realize, hey, this is real. I mean, you have some realization when they're in in the in the womb and you can see your wife growing this kid. They're attached to him a lot more than than we are. But I held him and I looked at him, especially on the firstborn. And I said, holy shit, man, stuff just got real. Um, (laughs) What am I going to do? My whole kind of the next piece of my life kind of went before my eyes. And I was like, what I'm doing currently is not going to work. And we have to level up and start doing the shit to make these guys in a better position than I was growing up. So this, they are, their life is now bigger bigger than my life and I have to get them prepared for what they're going to grow up into. I love that. We can, we can get into the, the fatherhood aspect, uh, maybe another time about all that stuff. But that, I think, I think the having, having kids is, is as you've heard, definitely life changing in that respect. Oh, but, it is big time. It really does make you think about what you're doing, you know, because you're, especially as a father, I, you know, my oldest is a girl and then our youngest is a boy and my daughter is what she's going to see in a man is how I'm going to treat her. So I have to be and treat her, not only her, but her mom and other people. And then my son is going to see what it means to be a man by me. So we have, we carry a huge responsibility as fathers. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's a whole new, it's a whole new game when you have kids and I learn this every day. You have to be really selfless as a parent and that's really hard especially for yeah. for achievers like us you know because some of the times i get frustrated when i can't work and i have to remind myself like i'm doing what i'm doing so i can have more time with them so if i can't work right now it's okay like i'll get to it and i'm not saying i have that down because i definitely don't no but as you can it's... tell because we're sitting in a driveway <laughs> recording this podcast because i can't be at home to record this because they want to be with me which i love this is why i'm i'm doing what i'm doing you know, so I can have more time with them. And that, that struggle is definitely real. I'm the same way. I've got, I've, God knows what my oldest kid's doing in the other room. And I can hear the other one crying now. Cause I think older brother woke younger brother up from his nap, but <laughs> it's like, it's hard to shut off when you are trying to perform at this peak level. And then the kids, I find myself getting frustrated all the time with them. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to just do this. And then I've slowly, learn to hey we can just we can pick it up when when it's you know later it's not the end of the world if you can't get this done today and sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow it really is hard yeah i like i was saying i have to remind myself this is every day i I can get to it later even though i'm i'm the one of my number one strengths is responsibility so i feel like i have to get it done it has to be done and that's hard being a parent it ain't going to yeah, get done when you want it to get done, period. So tough. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like most about being an entrepreneur, working for yourself? Uh, freedom. And it, it, it sounds like it's a funny word because you don't have any freedom anymore when you work for yourself, but you do. Um, I have the freedom to make the decisions that I want to, what I want to make when I want to make them. That's a blessing and a curse because you're having to rely on yourself all the time Yeah. In, instead of, uh, being directed and being told what to do. And then I think this, this is kind of a, a, it's not a, I guess a vanity metric, but people 
when you have a with a, with all appearances a successful business that you own, people look up to you on that kind of stuff. You know, they they say, "Oh, that that's really cool," even if it's sometimes it's struggling and they have no idea or whatever. I think that's kind of a cool thing that people can look up to you for those kind of things. They ask you questions on on business stuff. Um, time time is kind of relative. We take trips when we can and that's nice to be able to do because we have that flexibility, but I don't know. I guess, I guess the biggest one would definitely be kind of the freedom to make my own decisions for when I wanted to. Yeah, for sure. That's good. I know, um, on your second point there, I had a, uh, uh, one of my family members that reached out to me. Um, she's, you know, married with three kids and her husband's in the Navy, but you know, she mentioned to me the other day that she listened to the first episode of the podcast and like, it really opened her eyes to just a whole, like you don't have to be stuck in the cycle, you know? So she actually got, um, uh, she ordered the rich dad book and the rich dad for kids, uh, book for her kids. So they can start, you know, learning, you know, there's more to just being stuck in the cycle. The rat race. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you're, you you get, like you said, you got to have that why, you know, whether it's family, um, you know, wife and kids, but, that's the real reason that you know we're doing this and it's not just to have an insane amount of money because money it's just it's the paper but it it really is like what what the money's bringing is the time with your family that you have and like like you said the 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 freedom to make the decisions you want and even though yeah you have to rely on yourself but i'd much rather (laughs) rely on my work ethic um and, and my ability uh to make things happen as opposed to just being told what to do nine to five. Yep. Um, so no, that, that's good. Yeah. Money, money is the side effect of hard work. It's just like a, a rock, you know, rock hard body is the side effect of hard work. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that. Money is a side effect of hard work. That's awesome. Um, so on one of our closing questions here, do you have any books that you recommend or podcasts that you listen to for anyone that's interested in, uh, CrossFit or starting a gym. I know you probably don't need any more gyms around you, but you know, just <laughs> outside just, of DFW. Yeah. Just something that's, uh, in your side of the business and, uh, or just any helpful tips. Yeah. So there's a couple of guys that I, I really follow and, and listen to. Uh, one of them is Stu, Stu Brower with, uh, what the fuck gym talk. And then the other one, is Will Hurst with Big Little Gems. They're two really good resources. Uh, Chris Cooper with Two Brain Business. He does a really good job as well. Three different, three really different models, and you can kind of work with each one to pull some, pull some nuggets from each side to to make a business that you really, really enjoy. It's good, sweet. We appreciate you uh, coming on the show with us today and um, helping others and give a different perspective. I know our last two episodes have been us talking, so. It's good to have a, a fresh voice on the on the podcast. Hey Vince. Yeah, that's right. And hey, thanks for, for not knocking on my age. This whole episode <laughs> we yeah. made it fifty something minutes and we yeah, didn't do it. it. That's yeah. almost as old as you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there it is. Almost there it mate. is. Almost there it is. <laughs> well, Brandon, hey, thank you so much, man, for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, out. yeah. Thank y'all. I, I enjoyed it. I really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. That's good.
Cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.